Hello, fellow pediatric junkies. Welcome to the SNAP Podcast. My name is Josie Kautsky, and I'll be your host for today's episode. In our last interview, we spoke with residency directors, but we want to know what it's like to be the resident. Today, I'll be chatting with three pediatric residents from across the country. First, we have Hannah Walton. She's in the middle of her residency at St. Francis University in Loretto, Pennsylvania. Next, we have Kara Arps. She, like Hannah, entered her residency at Vanderbilt as a new grad. And last but not least, we have Annalise Ruggeri, who began her residency at USC after working as a fresh PT for a couple of years. Let's see what they have to say. Annalise, how much time did you take between graduating and then beginning your residency? And how do you think that affected your experience in the program? So I was treating um, for two years before I started the pediatric residency at the Children's Hospital of Los Angeles. I started at a major um, medical institution in New York City, and that hospital had a rotational-based set up to where the physical therapist would be each year. So I started out in cardiopalm inpatient care. And also had time in their rehab unit. And then they moved me to outpatient adult ortho. So all those various um, backgrounds and experiences I had in pretty significant medical situations and in um, a a variety of backgrounds, really, I brought all that into my residency and the experiences I had. Um, The residency program at CHLA, we had various experiences in outpatient, inpatient, and in rehab. So my varied background really helped me um, feel more comfortable um, transitioning from one setting to another. Wow, perfect. That is actually a lot of experience. And as a new grad thinking about applying to residency, I don't have near that much. So I think what people often tell students who are applying right away, you know, sometimes it's hard to break clinicians of bad habits that they have um, kind of gained throughout their own clinical experience. Did you find that to be true, that you had some bad habits that you had to break? Um, not necessarily. I just maybe hadn't developed a lot of my pediatric skills yet. Um, I was working towards getting a rotation in pediatrics and it was taking a long time at this hospital because of the setup and it was seniority based. So I decided to do um, early intervention on the side. And I think that not that I had bad habits, but I just kind of had very limited information to go off of, to be doing something out on my own. So once I started in this pediatric residency program and I looked back at what I was doing as a EI therapist, I was like, my eyes were open. I was like, oh my gosh, there were so many, so many different tests and measures I could have been doing so many different interventions. Um, I just feel like a totally different therapist now that I have all this great experience from doing my residency program. Right. Um, so Hannah, Kara, did you guys have a different experience or did you also take some time between graduating and going into your residency? So I went straight into the residency because I knew coming out of PT school that I was completely sure that I wanted to do pediatrics, but I also knew that there was still a lot about pediatrics that I didn't know, even though I had several pediatric clinicals. 
Um, so for me, I thought I would rather stay in that semi-school sort of mode uh, rather than having to get back into that mindset later on. Um, I think also I knew that one of the best ways for me to really gain more clinical knowledge um, was to get direct mentoring. Uh, so that was one of the main reasons that I, I wanted to do the residency right out of school was to be able to get that mentoring right away to help develop my clinical reasoning skills right out of school. Right. My um, experience is very similar to Kara's also. I um, started the residency program right after I graduated, and I, I feel very similar. I wanted to kind of develop my knowledge in pediatrics a little bit more. Um, I also kind of wanted to surround myself with mentors who had been practicing in a field um, in pediatrics for so long and were just as compassionate as I am about it. And I feel like it helped with that transition of student to professional mode for myself personally. Right. So would you also recommend to other students, you know, if they know pediatrics is the way to go for them, that applying right out of school isn't going to be a mountain that is too large to climb right away? I think the only time that I would not recommend going right from school is either if you don't think you'll be able to commit 100% of your time right away because it is a big commitment and you want to be 100% in if you're going to go ahead and do it. Or if you haven't had a lot of pediatric experience and you're not 100% sure that you want to do peds long term because you definitely have to love what you do. <laughs> you got to want it. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> so I guess I'll point this one to Hannah. When you were looking at different residency programs, what were the things that you took into consideration and what played a higher role or a larger priority on your list? Absolutely. So um, some of the big factors for me were um, kind of the experience in different settings. Did the place offer acute? Did it offer an um, EI, a school-based outpatient? Um, what kind of was going to be my focus? Another big component was, is it going to be more of a research or a teaching-based program? Those are two of the big factors. Another um, one I think was very important or is very important to me is continuing education and involvement with the APTA. So I wanted to make sure that I was with a facility that also offered um, kind of continuing education funding and supported um, APTA membership. Those are three of my biggest kind of factors when I was looking. Also, location was important for me. Um, with St. Francis, we're very rural, and I like the idea of um, getting to see a variety of diagnoses um, just because people are having to drive out, and I feel like I'm really making an impact being kind of in this setting. Right. Those are those all are pretty high on my list also. Kara, did you have anything that um, Hannah didn't mention? Yeah, absolutely. Um, residences, especially pediatric residencies, I think, really are laid out very, very differently. And your experience at each program um, is going to vary a lot location to location. Uh, so I would definitely recommend spending time figuring out what components of a residency are most important before you even start the interview process or the application process. Uh, for me, I knew I really wanted to be at a big teaching hospital in a large city so that we were receiving level one trauma patients and other specialty patients because I am really passionate about early mobility and love to be in the pediatric ICU. So that was a huge factor for me. I also knew I wanted to have some type of teaching component. Um, and so I wanted whichever residency I was with to be associated with a physical therapy program that I would be able to get some teaching done. And then research was also a big component to me. Um, there's varying levels of research 
that you get to participate in the different residencies. And I, I wanted to be able to find a residency where I would be able to perform research in an area that I was interested in. Yeah, absolutely. What about you, Annalise? Um, I think it's important to note the difficulty of obtaining a pediatric position as a new grad. Um, for me, I, I treated for two years and I really wanted to get there at this rotational based hospital that I was, that I was working at. Um, and there were options to maybe work in a sensory based clinic or smaller clinics in, in New York city. But, um, I knew I wanted to be in a bigger teaching hospital and, um, was making a transition to the West coast. So one of the factors I was looking for was finding something that would, um, kind of help me make connections in a new area of the country. Um, so I knew I was hoping the residency would accomplish that. And it definitely did. Um, I have a variety of interests, um, besides treating, I'm also interested in research and, um, teaching. And these are really major components of the USC CHLA residency and, um, kind of play equal parts. Um, so I was definitely excited to, go to a program that had emphasis on many areas of pediatric care and continuing our profession. Yeah, absolutely. And each one of you touched on either one or both of teaching and research, which is a huge component of residencies. And I was just wondering, once you're in your residency, do they push you to start to consider maybe gaining a PhD? And does that happen at your um, facility that you gained your residency at or you attended the residency at? No, not that I'm aware <laughs> of here. Um, I have not heard of any of the prior residencies and it has not been brought up to me yet. That was like a really left-handed question, but uh, <laughs> we talked about it last night on the like, residency director interview and so I, I started to think about it on whether that's kind of the next big push because I think in DPT programs now they're starting to right. talk about how big a residency could be so I wonder if in residencies they're starting to talk about how much a PhD could assist or if that's even a conversation right now. Towards the end of our residency we definitely discussed other fellowship ideas like uh, the NICU fellowship at CHOP was floated to us but um I think just in general, my residency directors knew what direction that we want to go into and um, had open discussions with us, but nothing was ever pushed. Yeah. On that note, have any of you considered maybe doing a fellowship to do a little bit more of a specialized area within pediatrics? At this point, I'm not I'm not interested in a fellowship just because I haven't seen any area that I feel like I want to really devote a whole nother year to, but I guess anything's possible in the future. <laughs> right. And that is a lot of time. And I'm sure a lot of work after all of the work that you guys have already put in. So once you apply to residencies, they invite you to interviews. Is there anything that during your interview you wish you would have known about or that you would have asked questions about? Sure. So I would definitely start with coming back to the priority list I was talking about before um, and asking about those things first to make sure that what they're going to offer is, is going to be conducive to what what you're really looking for. I think it's also really important to understand how your time, your clinical time is going to be split between different settings, because that varies a lot uh, residency to residency in terms of how much of your, t your time is going to be spent in the hospital versus outpatient, how much of a rotation are you going to have in the school system and doing early intervention. 
Uh, what types of specialty clinics are you going to be involved in and things of that nature? Cause it, it does um, vary place to place. I think the other thing that would be important to consider is the didactic portion of a residency curriculum uh, because some places are, are much more textbook, um, diagnosis-based, and others are more heavily research literature-based. And uh, there's just a lot of variability in terms of what that looks like from between residencies. And I think different people would learn better in different ways. So understanding how their curriculum set up and if you think that's going to be the best option for you. Kind of to add to that, too, I think... Um... It's also really important to find out how much um, extracurricular um, stuff you're going to be doing and involved in. So like community-based programs, um, other outside events, because it's just, it's important to know because you're already, already, already juggling a very busy schedule. So then also having to add in extra stuff, which I was actually looking for um, a program that was more community-based. So I think it's just important to kind of seek that out and ask them during the interview um, what the role is in that. Thing. Yeah. Um, when I interviewed, I had a chance to talk to the faculty, but I also had a chance to talk to the current resident. Uh, I think it's really important to kind of get the inside take. I don't, I don't think necessarily you should ask the people that are directing the program, like, how much do you make? But like, these are important, these are important questions after coming out of undergraduate and grad school and having debt to know, Am I going to get paid from my mentor hours and, or what, like what hours am I actually getting paid for? Are there like other things that you're in that, that you'll get a stipend for? For example, I was in LEN, which is the leadership education and neurodevelopmental and related disabilities program. They gave a stipend to us. Um, but these are important things to take into consideration. Um, like that next part of your life, um, you can defer your loans, but, um, it's something to take in, into consideration if you have the chance to ask someone in a more casual setting. Absolutely. Uh, so on top of that, I guess, Annalise, did they give you that opportunity or did you kind of ask if you could speak to a prior resident or if you could hang out with them prior to your interview? Um, so to talk to the prior residents, even if you're like interested in the residency and not even wanting to apply that year by emailing the directors of the program they will put you into contact with one of the current or past residents and um, I've done a few phone like discussions with people interested in applying and then also on the day of my formal interview after I had um, the interview with the clinical and the didactic faculty I was able to sit down with a current resident and just have more of a casual conversation with that person. Yeah. And I totally agree in the sense that it's important to not only understand the philosophy and the structure of what you're about to step into, but also kind of understanding the environment from a resident's perspective. I mean, that's something that you're not going to get anywhere else. And from my experience, um, all of the programs that I interview that did have the resident there during the interview day and a lot of times they were the one that was giving the tour of the hospital and they were there for lunch and things of that nature so typically they are around and available to to chat throughout that day that's so nice because as somebody that's thinking about applying I have actually emailed a couple residency directors and was surprised at how many of them 
told me that their resident was too busy to speak Mm. to prospective students. So it's nice to know that at least if you get as far as the interview, they make it a priority to have them around. One of the interviews that I went on, they actually had for the lunchtime as many as past residents as they could have there. So I want to say there was about eight or so um, have lunch with us without the faculty being there, which I thought was a really um, calm and casual environment. So you were able to ask kind of questions about compensation and other factors that are important that you're not always sure you want to ask during the interview. Right. You don't want to come off the wrong way. Mm-hmm. So on that note, how many people did you interview with? Um, so I I looked through all the residency programs uh, and kind of based on my priority list that I was talking about, I ended up applying to nine different programs. And as a new grad, you also have to be a little cautious because there are some programs that require a certain amount of experience. So that's definitely something to look into if you're going to consider applying that out of school. Right. Yeah, absolutely. And so then once you did um, get an interview, how many other students were being interviewed that day with you? That varied a lot. Uh, So I'd say the smallest number I had was three and the largest I had was 12. So it it varied a lot place to place. I think it depends too. A couple programs um, except two residents. And so some of them will, I think will will bring more interview, but then the majority of the programs only accept one. And so I think they, they narrow it down usually to four or five. Right. Okay. And Annalise, Hannah, did you find that to be pretty similar in your experiences? I think there were eight other people interviewing the same day as I, and there was only one interview day. Yes, that was kind of similar to mine. It was seven or eight, and there was one interview day um, where everyone was present for. Perfect. So it's a, it's a small, it's a much smaller group than what we went through for our DPT programs. Absolutely. (laughs) (laughs) It's very different. (laughs) Did this seem almost a little bit more laid back since you'd kind of been through the interview process to get into school? I I don't know if I would say it's laid back. I mean, it's definitely a pretty intensive interview process. All right. So like we mentioned before, you guys all mentioned research as an important part of a pediatric residency. I'll start back with Annalise. Do you get to choose the topic that you are researching? I know at USC, it looks like on their site, they do a systematic review of a subject. Mm-hmm. Um, so... Um, as of last year, we had, there's, uh, first of all, there's two residents at, um, USC, uh, myself and another last year. And we worked as a team with, um, it, the pediatric faculty at USC. Um, we did background research of literature of topics that we wanted to, we were interested in and kind of. It wasn't exactly like they were picking, but it's more what area of pediatric physical therapy hasn't there already been a, systemat- a major systematic re- review done in the past five years? Um, and like of the research that's out there, is there enough of it, of one topic to support it with a certain amount of articles? So we were looking for something in the 20 to 30 study range. So um, definitely gets, it's definitely the onus is on the resident to pick the topic and do the work. So um, it does end up becoming um, a major part of the schedule um, and oftentimes something that you're doing 
after work. I can only imagine how much work you guys have, and we'll comment on that later. Hannah, how about you? How does research work at St. Francis? So at St. Francis, um, we actually get to pick our own topic, which was one of the things that I was looking for when I was reviewing and kind of reflecting on what I wanted to get out of residency program. I have an interest in pediatric chronic pain. And um, during my interview, I actually got to discuss this with my my current mentor and found that she also has a passion for that. So we kind of correlated very well in the sense that we were both passionate about the same interests. Um, but yes, that was kind of, like I said, one of my biggest selling points for being involved with St. Francis was being able to kind of select uh, the research that I'm most interested in. And it's different. We actually have five residents in my program. And so we all get to pick kind of a topic of our choice, which I think is really great because then we can collaborate at the end and discuss kind of what we found through our research. Right. And are you guys all getting that done within one year or is it justifiable that you begin your research and they, because I know that it's part of the curriculum and being a residency, they have to touch on research, but it's not solidified whether you have Mm -hmm. to perform research or just understand the basis of research. So do you have to perform the entire project within a year and complete it? The goal is to try to um, start the project and complete it in a year, but Um, sometimes that is not feasible. So at least starting the project and then carrying it over to the future residents. Yeah, absolutely. That's good to know. What about you, Kara? I I was definitely provided with an opportunity to discuss any ideas I had about topics I wanted to research. Um, It was left very open-ended up to my discretion. I think it was important when I was deciding, though, to consider how time-consuming it can be to develop a completely new protocol, get it approved by the IRB, recruit subjects, implement the experimentation, perform the statistical assessment, and write a paper and develop a presentation <laughs> in a year right. when you're also, you know, treating full-time and, and fulfilling all the other responsibilities. So I think while it's important to consider your own research interest, it's also important to consider picking a project um, that you'll have guidance from and from a mentor who's interested in that area. You have the resources to complete it, and you can do it in a year. I'm doing a continuation of a project um, that was sort of already in place. Um, so it can be a little bit more expedited with the, the IRB and everything because we're, we're, we're working with kids. So it's a little bit more challenging to, to get that all in place in a year. So I'm doing a continuation of a project that I'm, that I'm interested in. Right. And that's so important to consider. So the reason I ask is because I'm also doing some research for my DPT program with children. And as I'm sure we all know they're a vulnerable population. And so, like you said, the IRB process is a a little bit more stringent and they ask you a lot more questions and you have to really uh, dot your I's and cross all your T's there. And so a year is not a long time to complete and um, write up an entire research project. So it's good to know. And I think for students entering a residency or young professionals that they'll have a little bit of direction and maybe some suggestions and nudges in the right direction as to how to do that. Absolutely. Absolutely. I think at least for me, I've I've worked very closely with my research mentor um, throughout the whole process. So I'm definitely not left out high and dry on my own. (laughs) That's good to know. So speaking of how busy you guys are with your research and full-time caseload, and then on top of that studying for your specialty exam and what other 
whatever other competencies you're working Mm -hmm. on right now, we want to know kind of a breakdown of how many hours you're spending in each area. So Annalise, if you remember when you were in your residency year about how how many hours a week you were spending as a clinician, as a researcher, and as a student, (laughs) we'd like to hear a little bit of a breakdown. Okay. Um, So typically the resident spends like 28 to 30 hours treating in the hospital at CHLA. And then the lens program is one day a week, which is either half day or full day if you're doing leadership seminar. And again, that's the, I don't know if the two other residents are doing this, but it's a leadership education and um, neurodevelopmental disorders. And then research is pretty variable, depends on what point in the systematic review we were doing. But the goal at USC is to finish a publishable systematic review at the end so we were doing a lot of writing in the spring and the summer um and we were able to submit it to a major medical journal and then july right before we finished the program and then you also do these other observational rotations um you go to a daycare to kind of like see typical development you go to a school district you go in california you go to a medical therapy unit certain diagnoses go um, for their PT and OT and some other specialty clinics to a medical therapy unit. And then you go to a early intervention daycare-based center. And those observations are very, they can be usually half days and the amount of visits um, depend on the load of other research and teaching-based things at that time. And then in the spring, you help out with a, the lifespan class at, at USC. And that is from 7.30 to noon, from January to May. And did on Fridays. I think that's it. Um, there was always other little things that came up. Uh, residency journal clubs. We did transdisciplinary journal clubs with the other residencies at USC. Um, right. so it's a very busy schedule, but, um, totally doable if you keep on task and are organized, um, and just kind of constantly looking like what's the next thing I have to do and keeping, keeping track of that. Right. And that's kind of what the residency director said yesterday too, was you have to be organized to avoid feeling like everything is an absolute chaos. And Mm -hmm. from what you just described, I would say that they must be right because it sounds like minimum you're spending 50 to 60 hours a week on your residency and that's minimum. Yeah. (laughs) Sometimes a lot more. I think (laughs) when you're, when you're in these parts of the residency that require more thought and digestion and like developing a topic for research, sometimes you're, it's a long time. It just, it's the, the time it takes you to thoroughly think through something. Um, I also forgot to mention that at um, the Children's Hospital of Los Angeles, it's primarily outpatient based, but we do rotations in acute and rehab. And you do eight weeks of that for just one day a week, four hours. So you get kind of a taste of acute and rehab. Um, so that's also something really important to consider is 
where is the majority of the time of the residency spent? Um, like if you really wanted to do, uh, if you really wanted to do outpatient or rehab, um, seeing where, where the majority of your time is going to be spent when you're doing your treatment. Right. And that sounds like something that Karen and Hannah also took into consideration, seeing as they wanted to see a lot of acute. Hannah said that she wanted to see a large variety in the somewhat rural setting that they're in. Um, so Hannah, does that seem about the same kind of breakdown that you guys see at St. Francis? I would say it's pretty comparable. Um, it does vary week by week. Um, we have class every Thursday night where we all meet, um, virtually and depending on the topic for the week, there's usually research involved with either, um, finding an article and presenting it depending on the topic for the week, um, presentations, um, it just, it, it varies week per week. I would say it's pretty similar though in clinic time around 35 to 40 hours a week. My position is a little bit different. I'm split between an outpatient hospital based clinic and then, um, the outpatient based clinic at the university. And so, um, I get to see, uh, and work with a wide variety of individuals. So I work pretty closely with the sports med, um, sports medicine resident and the orthopedic resident. So that's nice in the sense that I get to collaborate with them as well. And then um, the only thing I would include in that is maybe mentor time. Um, sometimes that's during the day and sometimes that's afterwards. So that can also um, kind of add into the number of hours you're putting in each week. But absolutely, I would agree. It's pretty similar um, depending on your research too and how heavily focused you are at the beginning versus um, more in the spring semester and similar to her program as well. We, um, have the pediatric class for the DPT students that I will help participate in teaching in. Wow. So it's busy. <laughs> it's very busy. <laughs> <laughs> it's hard to even just listen to your guys' schedule. I'm like trying to take it all in and calculate if there's even that many hours in a week. Do you sleep? There's sleep sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> Holiday weeks. <laughs> right. So, Kara, I'm assuming this is kind of about the same breakdown at Vanderbilt. Do you guys add anything else in there? Um, yeah, ours is set up just a little bit differently. So I wouldn't say there's really such a thing as a normal week. Um, but hypothetically, my my typical schedule would be me teaching um, at a PG, at, in a pediatric lab at Belmont one day a week. Uh, and then I'm in the hospital treating two days a week and in an outpatient setting treating two days a week. And so that's kind of the, the, the groundwork. Uh, we also do LEND here. So we have LEND meetings every other Tuesday night for several hours. And then um, also have, of course, mentor time. I think the other thing to consider is outside of just work hours, there's, there's a pretty significant amount of work that you're doing. So I present at least one in-service every quarter um, so time spent developing that. I present lectures to the DPT classes. Um, so some time de developing that. And then also we have just other residency assignments um, per se, like on a weekly basis. So in addition to, to time spent during the week, there's definitely pretty significant amount of time spent on, on weekends as well, doing lent homework, research related things, preparing for labs um, and other residency assignments. Wow. So after listening to all of that, I just also want to point out a couple of other things to our listeners that popped out to me as 
questions you may want to ask or things you may want to consider when looking at your residencies. Um, so working with other residents is something that some people may hold as a high priority because pediatrics has a lot of different realms. So if you are really into pediatric sports, maybe having a sports resident there also so you can bounce ideas off of each other and things like that is beneficial. And I know there are a few programs like St. Francis who are also allowing you to do a little bit more off-site residencies. So you don't have to be at the main campus for the residency to complete all of your mentorship and work hours. Um, so maybe if that's something that you're looking for, or if you need to stay close to home, looking for a residency that allows for you to gain the mentorship and the education that you would without having to go all the way to USC or Tennessee or something like that. I think that's so, one of the things. Oh, sorry. Yeah, no, keep going. <laughs> I was just going to say, I think that's one of the things I really like about St. Francis is that I am not alone in this. So I can reach out to the other pediatric residents and we can talk about the topics for the week or just reaching out and talking about our weeks and our research. And I, I like that component, being able to not just feel like I'm isolated, that I'm able to have others that are just as compassionate that I can share my thoughts and ideas with. I like that component to the program. I also like being able to work with the other um, residency programs. As you mentioned, it's very helpful to um, have a sports medicine resident there when I'm working with a kid that um, is an athlete and being able to say, you know, what would you, how would you develop a program for this child? And what are your thoughts on this case? And it's very insightful and it gives me a different perspective. Absolutely, because it's easy to get very pigeonholed and see what we've been trained to see. And so that outside perspective can be eye-opening. Absolutely. We talk about all of this time and all of these different projects that are pulling you guys in what seems like every direction imaginable. So how do you optimize your experience as a resident? Uh, I would say one of the biggest things is just being fully committed to the experience. So if you're going to go to the Great Lengths to get into a pediatric residency, uh, I think it's important just to be willing to kind of commit that year to getting everything out of it that you can. I think the other thing that's really important for getting the most out of the experience is being willing to accept feedback, um, both positive and negative, and being willing <laughs> to ask for help and advice. Uh, because I feel like that's where a lot of the best learning opportunities have come from is just, you know, after seeing a patient that I'm confused what to do with or um, being able to just walk into my mentor's office and sit down and say, so this is what this person looked like. Have you seen this before? What do you think? And I feel like those have been the best learning opportunities is just being vulnerable enough to, to go to my mentors and, and ask for help. Um, the last thing I would say is I think it's just important to be really flexible. Um, you are balancing a lot of things. You're working with a lot of different people in a lot of different settings. Uh, so just being, being flexible and being ready for whatever gets thrown your way. <laughs> that sounds like a little bit of pediatrics just in general, right? <laughs> ready for anything that's thrown your way. <laughs> Literally. <laughs> Hannah, what about you? What what have you used to optimize being a resident? I think honestly, just sitting and reflecting after each case, um, thinking how I might have could have done that differently. How um, just thinking about the the positive and the negative to how the treatment session went or the evaluation went, and I think having the residency program has really 
promoted me to be insightful in that. Um, and then having, like she said, the availability to go to a mentor and say, um, this is what I saw. Is this, is this normal? Have you seen this in your practice? Um, you know, what kind of advice would you have? What kind of treatment would you do? Or talking about the kind of treatment session I would do. Um, I think it's nice having um, someone right there that's willing to just kind of walk and talk with you and collaborate together. Cause it is a very like professional collaboration rather than like as before, like a student in CI, it's a very different perspective. Um, I think that has been one of the best parts of this experience so far. Um, and then just kind of encouraging myself to de like dig deeper into the research um, and facilitating, you know, is this the best outcome measure? What other ones are offered? I think having this residency program has given me um, more insight into more tools and um, understanding pediatrics just a little bit more and in depth and just it's, it's facilitated so much knowledge, which I'm, I'm really glad that I am able to participate in such a great program. Yeah, absolutely. And how, how about you at USC, Annalise? Um, you have to own it. You have to envision the direction that you want to go in and where you want to be in your career and this one year experience it's not it's not going to last forever but like delineating what you want to accomplish in your residency and putting it into action um obviously we all have really amazing mentors and faculty but um kind of stepping out of your comfort zone and being willing to have these discussions and being open-minded to all of the great advice, um, the wonderful um, PTs we have and we interact with have to give you. Um, I know at times it can feel a little daunting when you're getting um, a lot of feedback, but kind of just like being open to the whole experience and continuing to stay on track with the idea of what you set out to do in the beginning and following through. Um, I try to keep myself open to all experiences throughout this. If you're not sure if you want to go in some direction of your career, it's, this is a fantastic opportunity to say, do I want to teach? What is it like to teach? You got this opportunity to be in front of a class and see, and see how it feels, or do I like research? And you have this opportunity to do research and see if this is something that you want to incorporate into your future practice. I think it's just, you gotta, you gotta own it. You gotta be open-minded. Absolutely. And I think, I mean, those are all such insightful suggestions and obviously a lot easier to um, talk about than actually do. Um, being vulnerable as a PT student, I know we're all a little type A and so not being the best at something is hard for us. So accepting that we're going to have that feedback and that we want that feedback to be better um, is a huge part of residencies and reflection, learning from what we could have done better and thinking about how we could have done it better, even if it went well. I mean, I think that's a lot of what Hannah was kind of saying there is you, there's always room to improve your game. And like you said, Annalise, um, one of my mentors often repeats, life happens outside your comfort zone. And so I think that's where a lot of learning happens too. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. <laughs> so 
And this is probably more so for Annalise. If you guys have already had experiences, though, Hannah and Carol, feel free to step in after. If there was something that you could go back and change about your time as a resident, what would it be, if any? I honestly don't think I would change anything. I didn't really. I honestly, I didn't know, like, fully, fully know what I was coming into when I started this, like, how amazing it would be. And it, like, exceeded all my expectations, brought me to this new place as a pediatric PT. Well, first made, like, I, I didn't have the PT experience I wanted before this. It helped me open that door, helped me on this learning journey that I'm currently on gave me this momentum that's now following through into my, my life right now. Um, working on getting a paper published and I'm starting to do some teaching and um, presenting at some conferences. So I don't think I changed anything. It was just this incredible experience with this momentum that I, I can't stop now. It's like, <laughs> Do you guys have anything that you've experienced so far that maybe you wish you would have handled differently? Hannah or Kara? I'm going to take that as a no. Well, that's good. (laughs) 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 Oh, so one of the other things that people wanted to know from a past resident was how has a residency improved your individual practice? Okay. I guess I'll expand upon what I was just saying, but um, it has made me um, more creative, more systematic. I am now a lot more well-connected with other disciplines, which previous to this working in other settings, I would do like co-treats and other things like that. But now I just have such more of a, a breadth of understanding of other disciplines from especially from doing the LEND program um, and this more like family centered approach that I, I just never had before. I just like seeing more than the patient that's as one patient as now I see as in this whole connected um, network of family and environment, all these, all these things that really impact the way that I now deliver my interventions yeah, and I think I just diversified the way I think about things. I'm not just thinking in one silo. Um, I have a lot of different ideas now from the different mentors that I've had um, in different disciplines that I've worked with. So it sounds like your toolbox is a lot larger. For sure. <laughs> as cliche as that term often is in our profession. Hannah, what about you? I know you're, you guys are only about halfway through your residency, if I'm correct. Have you learned things that you feel like your practice is already just morphing? Absolutely. I feel I am um, about five months in, so almost halfway. And I feel like my confidence in my treatments and my interventions, my evaluations has increased significantly. Um, Just being able to confidently um, talk with families, um, be able to um, provide them with the education and aspects of different physical therapy interventions just I feel like overall that has just improved significantly as well as um, perspective being able to kind of pull myself from the situation and kind of you know perceive it in a different way you know challenging myself to um, seek outside opinions and resources and um, take a different approach to my treatment style. 
which is often hard as a new grad to be able to even think about taking different approaches because oftentimes we're very geared towards one direction and that's the plan and we're hoping that that works. And so the ability to have kind of three different things that could work for one situation is so beneficial, I think. Absolutely. I have um, uh, about three or four mentors that each provide me with a different perspective on um, just a single case. And so having that has really um, made me reflect on my own practice. I'm very, I'm very lucky and thankful to be in this program. (laughs) (laughs) What about you, Kara? I think it's almost like hard to even consider at this point and think about how much I've already learned in five months of the residency. (laughs) Um, I know we keep talking a lot about mentors, um, but they're such an essential part Mm -hmm. of the residency process. Um, And I think for me, one of the biggest things I've gained is just like the clinical reasoning skills um, during the evaluation process, when I'm considering treatment options in the hospital, just having mentors who are continuously challenging me, like when I ask questions, well, you know, well, what do you think about that? And have you considered this? Um, I think that's one of the biggest things we'll take away is just the clinical reasoning skills. And that's so much bigger than, you know, understanding um, a specific new outcome measure type of intervention, but being able to think critically through, you know, every kid I see in the future. Uh, I'd say the other thing I think that will have um, big implications is just the opportunity to treat across the continuum of care um, and in every different, you know, specialty setting imaginable from, you know, spasticity clinic and Down syndrome clinic and spina bifida clinic and, you know, spending time in the school system and early mention and then a lot of time in the hospital and outpatient. No matter where I end up treating, I'll have a complete understanding of, um, you know, where I'm sending the kid to if I'm discharging them to home health or where I'm receiving the child from if they're coming from inpatient rehab and I'm seeing them in outpatient and knowing what each of those areas looks like because I've been there and I've treated in that setting. And I think that's something that's so unique to a residency that you would never be able to get anywhere else and something that's just been hugely um, influential for me. For sure. I mean, how incredible to know the viewpoint and the different goals of each setting because, you know, school has a different goal than outpatient and in acute, you're working on something different, you know. So it's, I can't imagine how different your practice is when you fully understand what's happening in those other settings. And I think that there's also a lot of breakdown in communication between those settings. So do you think that knowing what they have as goals and kind of how they work has improved your communication between different settings? Definitely, definitely. Um, Just as one example, after being in the school system and talking to the school therapist just about how, what she thought was important in terms of how, what her patients were doing in outpatient therapy made me much more cognizant of reaching out to my patient's school therapist um, and talking to them about what the child, what barriers the child was facing in school so that we could also be working on those in outpatient and things of that nature. So I think it does very much open your eyes to, as you were saying, the different goals in each setting and the importance of communicating across settings, whether that means you're both still treating the patient in the case of school-based and outpatient, or if it's talking about, you know, moving from one setting to another. So if you're discharging them from the hospital to outpatient. 
Um, and we're very fortunate here that our hospital is associated with the outpatient clinic. So there's great continuity of care. And we have a lot of therapists who work both in the hospital and in the outpatient clinic. Um, so just really great communication, um, continuity of care for those patients who are able to discharge um, over to our, to our outpatient setting. How cool. That's a perspective I haven't really thought about as far as residencies go. So that was a great point to bring up. So speaking of great points, and in our last question, do you have any tips that you would like to leave students and new professionals with who are thinking about a pediatric residency? Absolutely. I think um, it kind of has been touched on throughout this podcast, but um, really reflecting and thinking what your end goal um, is from a residency, um, whether that be wanting to teach or being involved in research or community um, events and settings. And um, I think being able to make sure that you're going to be able to reach your goals from it is important. Um, also, just um, take into factor the, the goals that you have and look at each program because they are so varied and so different. So making sure that um, you're applying to programs that meet your checklist. Right. And I'm just going to point this out because I consulted Hannah previous to thinking about applying to residencies myself. And she gave me a pretty good tip to ask questions before you get to the interview stage, you know, and kind of bug them, give them a call, shoot them an email, start to get your name out there. Um, I hope I didn't take anybody else's tip, but that was such a meaningful tip to me, Hannah. And I just wanted to make sure that we shared it with other people. I knew I had one more. It just slipped. <laughs> I know I'm putting you guys on the spot. But I'm just going to share your brilliance. No, no, absolutely though. I, I agree. Getting them to know your name, um, your face just shows them that you're compassionate about Pete's and that you're wanting to know more about what they have to offer. That's important. Right. So thanks for the shout out. <laughs> Absolutely. What about you, Kara? Uh, I think very. it's pretty similar to what Hannah said. I think it's uh, really important to figure out why you want to do a pediatric residency. And I think it has to go beyond, you know, I really like working with kids. And like, what does that mean? And what does that look like for you? Um, and thinking about, you know, maybe specific areas that you're really interested in. Um, and specific goals that you have for the residency. And in addition to that, uh, also having very specific reasons uh, that you want to apply to the residencies you're applying to. And I think that's important for them to see, you know, when you come that you didn't just, you know, check a bunch of boxes online of, and, of places you wanted to apply, but that you were applying because you liked that they had X, Y, and Z. Um, and it, that it, it fits very closely with, with your interest and your goals um, so I think kind of both sides of the both sides of the dimes being very specific about your interest and reasons and then being very thoughtful and knowledgeable about the programs that you're applying to. Yeah, such a good point. And I think that goes across the board, whether it's a pediatric residency or you're applying to a DPT program, you know, know what school you're walking into and maybe some of the people you might be talking to, because that makes a big difference in you standing out as an applicant. Definitely. So last but not least, Annalise, what is your big tip for students and new professionals? Uh, I think talking to 
faculty at your DPT program is a good idea too when you're thinking about applying to residency. Um, I I use talking out a lot of things of if I'm going to do it or not or why should I do it. Um, but like find that faculty at your DPT program that like maybe they're like your um, your mentor or whatever your program calls the faculty you're assigned to or that person that you feel comfortable with and and maybe talk through the reasons why you're interested. I definitely did that when I was thinking of, about applying to residency and they helped me um, justify or just like clarify and feel confident in my decision to apply to residency. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I don't know if I've already said it in this podcast, I'm getting you guys and the residency directors confused, but sometimes it's not about what you know, but who you know, and you don't know who you're advisors or your faculty really know and so if you start talking to them they might say hey joe who works at the residency here we're really good friends and i really respect their residency program and so maybe i could get you guys to speak so you could ask a little bit more questions or they might be more knowledgeable on some of the residencies and so like you said annalise really just getting out there and talking to the resources that you have right there in front of you every single day in class okay Well, thank you guys so much for sharing all of your insight and adding another hour to what seems like a 50 to 80 hour week for you guys. (laughs) We really appreciate it here at SNAP. Okay. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you guys so much for taking the time to talk to us. As a possible future applicant, I took away a few great suggestions from this interview, and I hope you did too. Some of my takeaways were looking into the residency's focus. Are you going to be working in acute care or outpatient, schools or early intervention? Do they expect a full research project within a year? Do they have a LEND program? How much are they paying you, and what time are they paying you for? Are there any additional stipends? I also gained a greater understanding of how intensive this residency year can be. If what these residents explained is the path that you want to go down, remember that there's still time to fill out applications for the 2019-2020 cycle. We hope you enjoyed this episode of the SNAP Podcast. And if you have suggestions for further episodes or questions that you want answered, send me an email at the address listed in the description. Also listed here will be the links to the residencies mentioned in this podcast, as well as our social media sites where you can find information about events and how to become more involved with the Academy of Pediatric Physical Therapy. Until next time.